Welcome to The Naked Truth. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a Saturday night, so we're going to pick up where we left off in the Gospels. We're in the fourth Gospel, the Gospel of John. We're up to chapter 9. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So Jesus is on the move, and he's passed someone who's visually impaired from his birth, meaning he's never seen anything in the light of day. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples are some of the people who follow him most closely. They're asking Jesus, why is the man born blind? Is it, own, is it his own sins? Like some teachers may tell you you existed in some previous era, some earth age, some previous earth age, or they're saying, oh, is it your parents? His parents sinned. Is it something his parents did wrong that caused him to be born blind? The disciples are figuring if a baby's born blind, a child is born blind, a person is born blind, then it has to be some sort of sin at work to be the cause of it. Because why else would God create um, a brand new creation? Not perfect. If you want to think of being able to see visually as perfect, why would God create someone who's blind? So they're thinking someone must have sinned. Was it that person or was it the parents? What does Jesus say? Verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So Jesus lets them know that everyone's illness, everyone's physical cross they're bearing, doesn't have to do necessarily with sin at all, including things like vision. And, he's, and Jesus is saying, in the case of the one person who he's encountering in this instance, it was for a divine purpose, a big picture purpose that the um, person who uh, they're encountering, uh, the visually impaired person they're encountering now uh, is blind in the first place. It was so that something can happen in the big picture of things um, that he's born blind nothing to do with sin at all um verse four i must work the works of him who sent me while it is day the night is coming when no one can work so jesus uh has tells us in the gospels he is the light of the world uh in many different ways this is another instance of it here letting uh us know and pretty much warning the disciples that the light isn't going to be with them always that once he's done with his mission, his portion in the flesh as Jesus, the Savior, uh, he's going to be gone. And he'll be back as the Son of Man in that role at another time uh, in the future that they didn't get to experience. But that some, according to Jesus, will get to see when it happens, uh, even though they witnessed him back then. As crazy as that sounds. Um, but back to here. Jesus is letting him know um, there's a sequence of events that has to unfold and that he has mission and things to accomplish while he's here in his ministry. Verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is saying, I'm like the sun that rises and sets as the uh, physical light of the earth and of this portion of the universe. Jesus is saying while he's here on his mission in the flesh, he is the actual light of the world, that thing that uh, gives life to all uh, that is. 
verse 6. Uh, but that's while he's in the world. That's, um, it's letting us and the disciples know he's not always going to be with them in the flesh. Verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So what Jesus is, seems to be doing here is something he does uh, throughout his ministry. He shows us that um, God's ways, and I'm, when I say God, I'm referring to Jesus as God. Um, God's ways are not should not be um, considered as limited by our human imagination and understanding of things, our own thoughts of things. Jesus can bring about the healings. He accomplishes the mission of the healings that he does with people along the way in many different ways. Sometimes it's like this when he um, uh, use, cooks up something, uh, mixes up something, makes up something, and uses that and applies it. Uh, and another, other times he does it with just a word. And other times he tells the, gives the people, the person, the recipient of the blessing, an order or instructions of what it is they have to do to get the blessing. And each time that he gives them, or whatever method he uses, they all work. So um, it seems to me the idea, the idea for us to understand from it, at least one of the ideas, is to understand that we shouldn't box God in with our own um, personal limitations and belief systems. That God's thoughts really are higher than our thoughts, not to mention God's abilities. Um, so that everything doesn't have to do with sin, even though people will often assume, especially about trans people, uh, at least in my own case, people assume lots of things when um, they think they're trans. Um, verse 6, when he had said these things, okay, so in this case of this healing, uh, or at least this incident, he hasn't gotten the healing yet, Jesus has used his own saliva to make clay and anoint the eyes of a blind man. And like I said, when we read about this in other gospels, there may come a day when science figures out that restoring vision is as simple as extracting the DNA sequences from a, health, a person with healthy vision saliva and using it somehow, stem cells or whatnot, um, to infuse them into the eyes of someone who does have visual impairments. It may turn out to be just that easy, and Jesus is just accomplishing the same thing uh, without the technology, the same way he's able to do the remote viewing, which without technology, we'd have a hard time doing. The walking on water, we'd have a hard time doing that too. The uh, resurrections, uh, we have medical equipment and medicines that can do that in some cases, sometimes now. So um, with technology, we're able to accomplish the um, things Jesus is able to accomplish without the technology making them miracles. Um, and also fulfilling what he tells us that um, uh, believers, we will do greater things than what he's done. Um, so anyway, he's anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, verse 7, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. So in this case, Jesus did several things. He anointed the person with the concoction he made. He also 
gave the person instructions on what it is they have to do to actually collect on the healing that he's he's uh, ready to give to them. Um, and then the person did it and got what he was hoping for. He did what Jesus said. He went and washed and got his vision. Verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, It's not this he who sat and begged. So people who were around and who knew him before, he didn't know them because he had been blind from birth. But they knew him because he was the blind beggar, most likely, that they were all recognized. And when they could tiptoe around or avoid it or let him know they were coming when they were intending to give him something, all of those things, people with visual impairments have been known to have increased sensitivity to their other senses partially because they usually have to. It helps with the managing life. Um, and I've only, I only know that more because I've been interacting with people with visual impairments in my own family, like I've said before. Um, some, so first time, so, some said, this is he. Others said, he's like him. He said, I am he. So the people are wondering if he's that same blind beggar that they knew him to be. Uh, and while they're questioning each other, is he him? Is that him or not? He's letting them know, yeah, it's me, I'm him, it was me. Um, verse 10, therefore they said to him, how are your eyes open? So they're wondering how he got his miracles, so they're asking. Verse 11, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. So the man is retelling to them exactly what happened to him, how he was healed. He, um, went he followed the instructions of what jesus told him to do and he got the healing um probably there's a message for us in being faithful to our red letter christian faith to be faithful to what it is jesus says for us and get what it is we seek um one other thing about the man being faithful to what it is he was told to do because he's visually impaired him getting around isn't as easy almost certainly as it is for anyone else who try and get to the pool. He'd have to probably use a walking stick or uh, assistance of a person or a wall, some kind of way to get there. So it wasn't as easy for him to um, go to the pool and wash, um, but he still faithfully did it and got the healing he was looking for in being faithful. Verse 12, then they said, then where is he? He said, I do not know. So they're wondering, where's this miracle worker at who told you what to do and healed you? He let them know. He does not know. Verse 13, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. So it's not clear who they are, but uh, the man who received his vision now has basically been uh, given a presence with the religious authorities as the Pharisees. We read about them before. Uh, talked about them before. They're a branch of the same religion Jesus is born into uh, that ended with the conquest of the city of Jerusalem in around 70 AD. Um, that's when they also were wiped out. And Jesus told them that that would happen to them. It was a prophecy he gave them. So they're not his friends. They're not his buddies. They're the ones who um, had a large hand in the um, crucifixion. Um, being brought about. Verse 14, now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So the Sabbath is that uh, day of rest 
um, depends on your religion. Um, for most in America, it's Saturday or Sunday, um, but for some, it's another day of the week. It's um, meant to be, at least from its original inception when we read it, uh, a, a day off um, in the week that people are to take and seek God on that day. That's the like simplest way I could understand what it's meant to originally be. And it turned into other things through uh, religion as we've read, but that's in a nutshell what the Sabbath is. It became a religious requirement and then a burden for people uh, in many ways to try and adhere to, uh, but it's that same Sabbath. And so one of the requirements of that day was to do no work. So even if you're helping somebody on that day, like healing them, uh, recovering, uh, giving them vision when they were blind, before that would be considered work and an offense to their legal system, religious legal system, which means you'd have to be fined and pay them for breaking their law. But it depends on who's doing the law breaking. The one washing is probably the one breaking the law since it's a Sabbath. Um, but Jesus telling him to do it might be considered an offense enough for them. Let's see. Um, Verse 15, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. So now the man's answers are getting shorter and shorter because they seem to be robbing him of his joy. He's been blind all his life and now suddenly he's able to see. And one of the first things he sees is the religious bureaucracy that people are being stifled under verse not rejoicing and giving praise to god or thanks to god or animal sacrifices of thanks to god like their religion uh says they're supposed to do when people are healed of different things none of that instead they're wondering who they can point the finger at for providing the healing because the day of the week was the wrong day verse 15 and the pharisees also asked him again how um, so we read that one, verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they're trying to figure out what the, what's the deal with Jesus. Some are thinking he must be up to no good because he's not adhering to the, the religious dogma that's laid out for the people to follow with the Sabbath laws. Then others are thinking, well, um, whatever he's up to, uh, he's caused the healing, so that has to be from God. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he's a prophet. So now they're going back to the recipient of the miracle, the man whose vision was uh, healed, and asking him what does he think about the situation? What does he think about Jesus? He's saying he believes Jesus is a prophet, a meaning someone in touch with God. Verse 18, not like we can just pray to God and be in, that in touch in that sense, but someone who's able to get in touch with God and get responses from God, like able to hear audible responses, in some cases, visual responses. They're able to get on demand, it seems in some cases, reactions and replies to their inquiries with God. That's who the prophets um, generally are. And they are able to tell the future. 
Um, so they believe that's who the blind man believes Jesus to be. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and, and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So when it says the Jews, it's talking about the people, same religion Jesus was born into, and people who also live in this area, also referred to as Jews. Um, the people who are in authority in the religion are the ones who are questioning him. They've called now, summoned his parents, <coughs> excuse me, summoned the parents of the man who was born blind. So to see if they can get the tea on what's going on with him and what role Jesus played in it. Maybe they were all just acting. Verse 19, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So they're asking the parents, Is it true? Is he yours? You say you had a son that was born blind. Is that really him? And if that is him, was he really born blind? And if it was him and he really was born blind, how is, he, how is it he's able to see now? They're asking the parents, that, uh, What's up? What happened? They want some answers. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So uh, the first two questions they checked off and affirmed, yeah, that's our son. And yes, he was indeed born blind. Now as to the other questions, verse 21, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. So now the parents are giving short answers. Um, as now that they've been summoned in there, they're saying, yeah, it's their son. And yes, he was born blind, but they don't know who healed him. Uh, and they don't know how he was healed. So they're saying, so can you can't kind of leave us out of it? Because they know how the religious authorities work. Um, you can get fined for um, different sins slash offenses um, and have to pay for them. Um, and they're the religious authorities to issue those citations. Um, but not only that, they can also excommunicate you from the religions and religion and religious um, activities, which would sort of isolate you from your whole community. The religious authorities have the authority to do that. So the parents don't want to cross them, most likely. Um, so they're telling them to just ask him. He's old enough. He's grown. Ask him. He can tell you what happened to him. Verse 22, his parents. So even the parents aren't getting a chance to rejoice in the fact that their the child they birthed who was born blind now has vision. They're not even giving, getting a chance to rejoice in that because religion is stepping in and robbing their joy. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So they've already decided, the religious authorities, that is, that if anybody among them decided to feel it and confess that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, then that was it. They would immediately be put out, excommunicated, um, excluded from the different religious events. Think of it in modern times or in a American society. If you're a church, so you know you can't come here anymore. Don't show up for Easter. Don't show up for Christmas. One of those you probably shouldn't be showing up for anyway, but um, telling you, no, 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 I don't want you to take part in any of these things at all anymore, period. That's what the excommunication is. Uh, the parents feared that that was, gonna, was what was going to happen to them 
if they cross them. So they're telling their uh, religious authorities, just ask him. He's old enough. Uh, verse 23 is saying that. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Um, verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. So they're saying, well, praise God, you got your healing. That's wonderful. Uh, but the one who did it, we know he's a sinful reciprocal. They're um, trying to discount the fact that Jesus was able to pull, pull off the healing um, that they weren't able to do. Because if they were, why didn't they do it before then? Um, he was able to do it and do it counter to what their religion says about doing the work on that Sabbath, on that uh, day off. Um, so they're just trying to just whitewash it, basically, and telling him, well, we won't worry about um, how it all happened, because we know he's a sinner, talking about Jesus. We'll just give God the glory that you got healed today. Verse 25, he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. So the man who's now gotten his vision is smart in his answer. He's like, it's not for me to judge. I don't know whether... Jesus is a sinner or not, is what he's saying. He's saying, but the one thing he knows objectively, for sure, is that before he met him, he was blind. He couldn't see. After he met him, after he did what he told him to do, after he was faithful to the Christian message that Jesus delivered to him, now he can see. That much he knows. Verse 26, and they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So it seems they're asking again, because maybe they're um, anticipating some sort of contradictory message. Um, so they're continuing to interrogate him. Verse 27. Maybe they want to repeat it. See if maybe they can do the same thing. Verse 27. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? While well, my voice went up, let me say that one again. He answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So now he's getting sassy. He's getting tired of them asking him to repeat himself again and again. Probably again, robbing him of his joy of now being able to see. He spent his old life in darkness not being able to see. Think about that. If you just close your eyes for just a little while and try and get around wherever it is you live, you'll see how much harder, how much harder it is without being able to see. Imagine that being a permanent situation or seemingly permanent because he got his healing. Um, so now he's asking them, he's returning their own sort of um, interrogation to them, answering their question with a question. He answered them, I told you already, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So he's basically again, sassing them asking them why are you asking me to repeat myself again and again are you trying to find some faith in him too are you wanting to become christians now um even though becoming christians is a new thing now at this point in history verse 28 then they reviled him and said you are his disciple but we are moses disciples so moses is the same ten commandments moses that we read about previously um they're making it clear that um, that's whose faith they're going to follow the things that are attributed to Moses. And we went over again and again already how even though the first five books of the Bible 
are called the five books of Moses. Moses died, according to what's in the books, uh, before the five books were even written, finished being written. So how could they all, they couldn't all possibly be from Moses, for starters, among other things. But that's a whole other discussion. Um, but that's the Moses being referred to here. They're making it clear to him that that's the distinction, that they'll continue to follow the uh, the things attributed to Moses. The one thing attributed to Moses that Jesus affirms in the Gospels are the Ten Commandments. Not all the statutes and ordinances and other things, even things like circumcision and divorce, Jesus gives us a different message on them than what are attributed to Moses. Um, even though all of those aren't from Moses either, Jesus makes that clear also. Um, but that's the same Moses being referred to here, and that's the distinction, distinction they're making. They're saying, no, we'll keep following the stuff attributed to Moses. You can follow this man who hooked you up with your vision. Why wouldn't he follow him? Um, verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. So now they're returning his sass with sass, letting him know that um, we believe that Moses got messages from God. Um, but as for how Jesus is working his miracles, they don't know where that's happening. Who's uh, supplying that energy? They don't know where he's from, is what they're saying there. Now, before we move on there, we know from what Jesus tells us in the Gospels, no one is seeing God at any time. No, they have not heard God's voice at any time or seen his form, even though there are stories in what we call the Old Testament in those five books of Moses and other instances where people seemingly have interactions with God. And like I said before, to me, that means those are supernatural interactions. If they're in the cases where they did happen, uh, that people had and attributed them to God, and they may have actually happened, but it doesn't mean they were actually from God. There are other supernatural forces that exist in the world, as we've read about. So um, that's the same Moses that we're being taught, that's being referred to here. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from, yet he has opened my eyes. So um, the man is uh, going back to uh, what it is they're questioning him about. There and the fact that they don't know where Jesus is from by their own confession. Um, they think he's from Nazareth or Galilee um, or Bethlehem, but they don't know for sure. And where he's actually from being the Father, God Almighty. Even though some preachers will have you believe that we all came from God and uh, had some sort of choice to be born of women, all of that stuff. Not according to what Jesus tells us, not according to what's in the Bible. Um, but as always, believe what you want. It's that same Moses being referred to here. And the fact that they don't know where Jesus is from is something that uh, actually fulfills one of the other prophecies or scriptures that, um, that um, I think the man is going to point out in the next verse. So let's move on. Verse 31. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. So uh, he's not saying it here. But another scripture that we've read in the Gospels, um, when the people are trying to figure out whether Jesus is the prophet or is he the Messiah, who exactly is he and where he's from, 
um, Jesus lets them know you know where I'm from and yet you don't know where I'm from. Similarly here, they know where he's from in the sense of they may be able to track his um, parentage with Mary and Joseph, but they don't know where he's from in the big picture sense of things uh, from on high, from heaven, from uh, God. Um, so the man who's been healed now of his um, blindness is saying how he believes that um, God listens to you if you pray to him, um, but if you're a sinner, he won't. So that's in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's true. It's in the Gospels. It's in the one of the books of the Gospels, but it's not red letter. Jesus didn't say it. So it doesn't. It means it doesn't mean. It means it doesn't mean. That means that it may not necessarily be true, um, as far as our Christian walk. So um, I don't think it's true in the fact of God uh, does not hear sinners. We're all sinners, and at some point have to come to a point of if we're going to find salvation come to a point of, of repentance so god would have to be listening to us at that point to hear us when we repent when we call out for help and when we are sinners so it's in the bible it's in the scriptures and it's in the gospels but it's not red letters that's one of the things i think we have to be careful of when we're looking through um the bible and in general um like jesus tells us that's what the will of god is to know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether you whether I speak on my own authority. Meaning know whether it's something that God actually would have us know as far as our Christian walk or know whether it's something else that might be useful, but it's not Christianity, it's not gospel, it's not scripture. Um, it, it doesn't pertain to our Christian path. Verse 13. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. So now the man who's received his vision is giving them a, a Sunday school lesson, so to speak, letting them know that as far as he knows and as far as they know, uh, people haven't been able to just go around and heal blind people uh, at all. And now that I think about it, of the healings we've read about uh, here and there in the Old Testament, a resurrection, if I recall, um, by at least one of the prophets, as they're called. Uh, but I don't recall anyone being uh, healed of blindness now, now that we read it here. Um, so that's what the man is calling on. He's like, we don't know of any other instances of people being able to heal people of blindness on demand, uh, especially someone who's been born blind. So someone may have been able to um, restore bad vision to someone who had vision before, uh, lost it, and then regained it. But someone being born blind, being um, given their vision, He's letting them know that's basically unheard of. Verse 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So, again, the man who received his vision is very wise in his response that um, whatever, whoever Jesus is, whatever he's up to, if he weren't from God, he wouldn't have been able to pull off the miraculous healing. Uh, that much he's sure of. Um Verse 34, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. So it's like, girl, please, they don't want to hear it. You got to go. They excommunicated him. They cut him off. They didn't want to hear what it is he had to say about giving thanks, giving praise to the one who gave him his vision because he was blind all his life. Now in this one encounter 
with Jesus, he's gotten his vision, which he never had, which they weren't able to give him. And for that, it's cost him his place in the synagogue, in the temple, in the church. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? So Jesus' word has traveled fast. Jesus has already heard word that the person who he healed has been kicked out of the synagogue, kicked out of the church, kicked out of the religion, not allowed to come back. So Jesus has found him and he's asked him a question. Does he believe in the son of God or may read son of man in your Bible? Um, son is capitalized, meaning the uh, son of God, son literally of God. So the specific son of God, not anyone else um, being born male and a son of God in that sense. So he's asking him specifically about the scripture reference, I believe is what Jesus is doing when he's asking him that. Um, and my page has frozen. Let me see if I can clear it. About it. I can't read the next verse. Oh, let me try another way then. Okay, here we go. He answered and said, verse 36, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So Jesus asked him, Does he believe in the Son of Man or Son of God? So the man's asking him, Who is he that I that I may believe in him? So something a friend of mine, Kyle, the hottest Asian guy I ever dated, um, told me or called on my mind uh, or said something to me back way back in the day about this verse um, that I hadn't thought of, that people have what are called um, audio memories also. So that even if the man, especially since he was visually impaired, his other senses would be probably be heightened uh, it, he thought it was interesting or strange uh, or may it added to his doubts about the Bible in general, actually. Um, the fact that the man didn't have an audio memory of when he interacted with Jesus again a second time. Um, he would have remembered Jesus' voice of telling him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. That's the only thing Jesus said to him. So maybe that didn't stand out in his memory enough, especially after being healed and grilled, but it was an interesting thought that um, he would um, most likely have that audio memory of hearing Jesus' voice before. And so now he's hearing Jesus' voice again. Um, is there any recognition in his voice? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe that's why he's uh, willing to hear what it is he's saying in the questions Jesus is asking him. About who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him. And one last thing about that, that just reminds me also one other thing that adds doubts about the book of Revelation, besides the writing style being different from John the Apostle in the book of the Gospel of John, um, and the other things like the four corners of the earth not making any sense since the earth is round, and if it's supposed to be a prophecy, why wouldn't it have um, a forward-thinking or um, larger view of the world than to say four corners. But then the other thing is also the voice recognition. There's, in this case of the man getting the healing uh, from Jesus and now Jesus asking him a question, 
and the question of whether or not he recognized Jesus' voice when he asked him that is another reason why Revelation um, is specious in my mind because uh, as far as who wrote it, um, because there's no recognition between John, the one who's accredited with writing the book of Revelation, and Jesus when um, he interacts with Jesus, or at least with the red letters attributed to Jesus. There's no recognition, recognition, no, hey, good to see you again. It's been a long time. None of that between Jesus and John when they have that interaction in Revelation, which is presumably sometime years after the Gospel of John was penned or written or scribed, however you want to think of it. So anyway, just uh, food for thought. So the man is asking, who is he that he may believe in him? Um, saying he's he has faith, just tell me where to direct it. The same way they, the police system uses those four canines to use to attack human beings and direct them at them and seek them on people. Such wickedness, just evil. But um, in that same way, he's saying, who is he so I can direct my faith in him? Um, verse 37, and Jesus said to him, you've both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. So Jesus is letting him know that um, one of the first things you're getting to see now that you have vision is something that much of the rest of the world wishes it could see. That's an audience with Jesus, especially when he walked the earth, but um, presumably we you know, have our um, judgment day also, or payday, depending on how you look at it. Um, people would like to have had that audience with Jesus. And now one of the first things he gets to see after a lifetime of blindness, is Jesus in his face and giving him words to live by. Um, verse 38, then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So now he's gotten his vision. He probably does recognize Jesus' voice as the one who told him to go wash in the pool. And now that he sees that the person who gave him the instruction to get the healing was able to get him the healing that he didn't have his whole life long, is saying, I'm that one, I'm that Messiah, I'm the Savior, I'm the one who, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Son of Man, I'm the one who you've heard about in the prophecies. He's inclined to believe it because that same person was the one who gave him his vision. Verse um, 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world, that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. So Jesus is saying um, a part of his mission, it seems, is to flip things over, to turn things on their head, to take away what's traditionally thought of as wisdom as far as religion goes and actually enlighten people with what the truth really is. To give true vision to people who think they can see um, who are actually blind, but also in the case of the person who received this miracle, actual physical blindness being uh, wiped out and people giving their uh, physical uh, ability to see and finding faith in that way. Whereas people who had their vision couldn't find faith um, their whole life long. Someone who didn't have his vision has found his faith instantly uh, when he got the miracle. He was looking for that's all it took for him um verse 40 then some of the pharisees who were with him 
heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? So now the sassy Pharisees are always ready with a response. And they're saying, Oh, so you got a message for us too. You you let us know that you're um, giving vision to the blind people. Uh, but you just said you're taking vision away from those who say they can see. So they're, so they're saying, are you directing that at us? You mean us? You're trying to say we can't see the religious leaders of all these people. You're trying to say we're blind too. Verse 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Jesus is letting them know, letting us know they should be so lucky as to have been as blind as the man who just got his healing because at least if they were then they'd have an excuse for their wickedness instead they proclaim to be the ones who know what's righteous and what's wicked and they still continue on their way anyway they are hung up on the fact that someone has been helped because of the day of the week it is they think that adhering to that is more important in god's eyes than helping your fellow man any day of the week, whatever day of the week it is, what time, whatever time of day it is. Be, I mean, the bottom line would be, isn't that what you would want? Isn't that what you would expect? Isn't that what you would need? That no matter what day of the week it is, if you needed help, whether it's a flat tire or getting your vision, it, you would want it no matter what day of the week it is. So why would that be something for them to block the blessing, to block the praise of someone uh, who and kick somebody out of um, being a part of their seeking and worship of God. It's unrighteous. Um, so Jesus is calling it out. Um, he's calling it out, but that's at the end of this chapter. So that's where we'll end this reading before we get into their response. And I think it gets pretty ugly. I guess we'll see. Thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. I love you. See you next time. Peace be with you.